The Process, a podcast about creativity and experimental music. In the world of experimental music, outcomes and accolades for creators can be uncertain and at times seem far and few between. Therefore, creators and practitioners of experimental music must embrace the one thing they will always have complete control over, the process. This podcast aims to understand this creative process by listening to new works and discussing them with their creators. Each episode focuses on one creator and their music. Understanding how and why they create can inform aspiring creatives and help audiences better understand and navigate experimental music. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and I'll be your host as we explore the world of experimental music, creativity, and the human need to find purpose in their world and lives. This is The Process. On today's episode, we speak with Jacob Cooper and Stephen Bradshaw. And both Jacob and Stephen are established in the new music industry. Um, Jacob as a composer and Stephen as a performer. On today's episode, we'll listen to their collaboration called Sunrise. It got me thinking about this idea that there is a composer and there are performers. There's a hierarchy. And, you know, we talk about all the things that maybe we want to move on from in uh, the classical tradition. And there's some things that we, 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 we desperately want to keep or that some people find really important to preserve. And I wonder if hierarchy is one of those things that maybe is no longer of really any use or relevance. You know, I think about some of the American experimentalist uh, composers of the 20th century, classic folks like John Cage, Feldman. And, you know, part of their compositional process was to remove themselves, or Cage often referred to, remove the ego from composition. I've always latched onto this idea of sort of relinquishing some of your control uh, as a composer, you know, um, relinquishing that control to the musicians to the audience, um, to the greater good. Also, if we reference popular music, there's countless examples of composers, songwriters turned musicians or musicians turned songwriters or uh, songwriters, composers turned producers. Uh, in popular music, there's so many examples of double duty or a breaking down of that hierarchy. I think a classic example is Brian Eno starting out as a member of Roxy Music, moving into not only creating music for David Bowie, uh, but producing albums uh, like The Talking Heads uh, uh, in the 80s, uh, as well as working in the 90s, and at the same time creating his own ambient albums as well. So he was really all those things. He was a performer, composer, uh, collaborator, producer, and, and idealist. So why should the new music world and why should the new music industry be any different? And I think a lot of people already believe this and are already practicing this. And truly, I think Sunrise 
with Steven and Jacob is one of those true collaborations where you can hear how fluid that collaboration was. And and today we'll we'll talk with Steven and Jacob and you can hear them explain how back and forth their process was um, and how truly collaborative it was. The piece is fantastic. Uh, both Steven and Jacob, like I said, are well-established and well-known uh, within uh, the new music industry. And so hearing their opinions is always interesting and exciting. But hearing how they are sort of breaking the mold of that hierarchy within a piece like Sunrise and how they're just creating a great piece of music through that collaboration, I think is really inspiring. And I think you'll enjoy today's episode quite a bit. So without further ado, let's learn more about Stephen and Jacob and hear a little bit of their piece, Sunrise. Jacob Cooper has been lauded as richly talented and a maverick electronic song composer by the New York Times and the New Yorker. His music has been commissioned and performed by such ensembles as the Los Angeles Philharmonic New Music Group, Eighth Blackbird, the Calder Quartet, and is released by Nunsuch and New Amsterdam record labels. The recording of his string orchestra work, Stabat Mater Dolorosa, was described by the New York Times as exhaustingly poignant and was an NPR Top 10 album in 2020. Stephen Bradshaw is a founding member of Variant 6 and The Crossing, a Grammy-winning vocal ensemble dedicated to new music. Stephen has appeared as a soloist with Bang on a Can, the Philadelphia Chamber Orchestra, and recorded and toured with Roomful of Teeth. He premiered Ted Hearn's Place At, the BAM Next Wave Festival, and will reprise his role in it with the LA Philharmonic. He also premiered and gave 300 performances of David Lang's lifespan. Also a noted visual artist, Bradshaw has exhibited his work at a number of galleries throughout the country. On today's episode, we listen to Sunrise, a collaboration between Jacob Cooper and Stephen Bradshaw, with voice performed by Stephen Bradshaw and produced by Jacob Cooper. Additional performers include Destiny Battles on piano, Clara Kim, violin, and Tim Monroe on flute and piccolo. The album was released on Cold Blue Music in Venice, California. (laughs) 
Um, Jacob, we'll start with you. Where does the creative process normally begin for you? And how does that relate to the piece we're going to talk about today, Sunrise? I've realized over the past few years that I'm really a, a timbral composer at heart. Um, so, you know, maybe when I first started writing, I would think of a melody and then some chords to go with it or something. Um, but increasingly, my music is based on finding a sound that I think can last, is interesting enough to last for a long time. Uh, and often to get that sound, I take some pre-existing source, um, whether that's, you know, sampling something uh, mm -hmm. to an unknowable degree and process can yeah, to an unknowable right. degree or yeah. working with uh, a collaborator like a performer. So in this case, uh, mm -hmm. it was really working with Steven and having him come up with sounds that, that I would then process and liked. And Steven, is this normally how you begin a collaboration? Um, is it, you know, are usually just asked to kind of, I, I know in this process you were asked to just make some sounds and then those were processed. Is, is that normally how you're approached to do a collaboration? Um, well, not really. I mean, in some ways this is a pretty atypical in the sense that it's sort of a return for me to, you know, kind of stepping into the creative process and being part right. of like the forging of the piece. Because for me, I kind of have a duality as a creative artist um, mm -hmm. um, because I'm also a visual artist, uh, like a, a dark surrealist uh, painter that, um, and that's kind of that area in which I kind of get things, you know, out of me. But right. then I also have this thing where I'm chasing down, you know, a composer's vision or a conductor's vision and, and yeah. part of like a, a collective. And, you know, I kind of have, those two sides to my career that, and they both feed me in, in very different ways. So in this was actually a really, a, a really kind of gratifying departure um, for me in, in a way where it was a really great thing to kind of return to the, the forging of new music and having a hand in that was, was really kind of um, a novel thing for me. Do you think, so I, I, when you look at the credits on the, on the, on the album, it says, you know, um, it has Jacob as the producer. Um, so I, I never saw the word composer. And so I, I did want to talk about that. And then I saw Steven as, I think it said voice or a vocals or voice from, from Steven. So was there a clear like performer composer situation here or was it, was it more fluid? Were you both the composers or d does it even matter? <laughs> I, yeah, I think we prefer not to really answer that. That's why we, I mean, we can yeah. answer it here in this case, yes. but like yeah, yeah. in the context of, of the liner notes, that was, you know, yeah. we actually, there's a lot of back and forth about this because maybe the first thing says the music by both of us. Like that's the thing that right. we feel yeah, the most it does. comfortable it with. Does. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is funny because people lag onto this producer thing and they're like, 
I felt like that was my performance. Um, right. Jim Fox, the person who runs the label Cold Blue, suggested electronics initially for me. It was like a as if I right. were performing electronics while Steven was doing voice. But for me, it's not it's not like a performance thing for me. The the quote unquote performance is just really in the in the production that I was doing. I, I feel like a good way to say it is that you kind of snapped a lot of stuff into a, a compositional framework. I feel like you were the nuts and bolts person, like where I would send you lots of, you know, raw files of, of like kind of detritus and, and you would kind of, uh, uh, you know, build this thing and like the kind of the final product was kind of forged on your end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it is, and I'd say also that there were, there are really like five different sections in this piece. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think for each one, it was a little bit different of, you know, like if we, if we had to like, if maybe if we had the five movements, we could say like composed and performed or like, you know, right. public domain is 50% of this one, yes. 0% of the other one. So it was like all, it's like all super complicated. So we kind of just yeah. preferred the. It's, it's yeah. a super layered process and it was really kind of slow cooked and, and over time, the, yeah. the lines be, begin to blur. Yeah, yeah, and even the distinction of what the heck you actually did, Jacob, like, did, was it electronics? Was it a computer? I mean, like, the electronics today almost feels like, yes, there was electricity involved. Like, <laughs> right, I, right. I, I mean, like, it, you know, it can be that. And then computer just sounds yeah, odd be, because people dorky, don't see that yeah. as an instrument yet. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, so, so, so there you are together doing this. So, and it talks a lot in the liner notes about this sort of ba- rich back and forth um, that you had. Um, so what was sort of the editorial process? So Stephen would create some sounds and send it to you, Jacob. What was the feedback then? You would you would create something and then would Stephen then improvise on top of that? How mm-hmm. was that back and forth process? And of course, it was all uh, mediated through, I'm assuming Zoom or virtually because of you know happening during uh, during COVID. Yeah, we had a couple of Zoom meetings, mostly mostly by email. We were sending stuff back and forth, but or texting. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it was different for different sections. But I can remember, um, you know, initially we started out with just having Stephen record the sheet music, you know, the 1918 published sheet music, uh, and that was probably this is like in the middle of the piece. Um, where he's there are these different sections that he sings, like these loops that that repeat. And uh I think that was a pretty maybe the most straightforward creative one where he would, you know, he had these different phrases uh from excerpt from the original music. And some of them I think you edited or, you know, some of them you sang a little bit differently or improvised on them. And then I and then I was like, oh, this is cool here. I'm gonna layer this like this. And then I'd be like, oh, but can you do this? But you know, now sing it up a step and I'll put it in here or now can you, can you work with it that way? And then like the beginning of the piece, um, is we, we found when Steven was just doing some like noise experiments and, you know, I was like, just sing the word sun in a lot of different ways. (laughs) And he get this cool thing where you found, you found like an overtone, Steven, in your voice or something. Yeah. I was like, and I think that's actually a really cool uh, thing about the process too, is that, you know, being kind of at home and kind of, you know, looking for things and kind of surfing these really specific conduits of the voice mm-hmm. uh, is different than like kind of, you know, having a piece and then going into a studio and being like, I'm going to deliver this piece now. Um, right. It was much right. more like this kind of searching process. Yeah. Where, it, you know, a lot of it was like me for three hours going like, as being as close to the mic as possible, like finding these little conduits of where my voice could speak differently. Right. 
And I wonder if it was a traditional studio process where, you know, you, you got the music, you practiced it several times, showed up for an hour or two, did it, you know, got paid, went home. Um, I wonder if, do you think a piece like this could have been developed in, in that in that format or did it need a lot of this back and forth collaboration? Yeah, de definitely needed this in the, in the yeah. open time too. Like Tony Creamer, the person who funded this project and it was actually his idea to do this, this quarantine. He was yeah. like, the studio is open now. I can, you know, give you guys mm -hmm. time, time in there and everything. And we were like, that's mm -hmm. great. But actually this whole thing has worked with Steven just like recording random sounds for an hour and then me messing with them and then yeah. sending it yeah. back. Sending and I think it, it would have been, a, I think it would have been an unrecognizable piece. Um, uh, you know, if if it had if it had kind of gone in that more traditional route, I think the piece would be very different. Very different, yeah. yeah. So, like, just close the loop on that beginning section. So, Stephen was was singing the word "sun" with this crazy overtone sound, and then yeah. I reversed it and chopped it up and just took off the word to the the S letter, so it was all un 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 and reversed it. So you just basically hear the un sound, mm -hmm. and then put a bunch of those on top of each other with delay and different sounds. And then I like went back to him and I said, "Hey, can you do that? But now do it a step down or something like that." Um, and now could you do that, but do them for longer and do them more, you crescendo more through them. Uh, so then he'd send me back 10 minutes of him singing sun and this <laughs> crackly overtone <laughs> voice. And then I'd <laughs> do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. There's also like, there's probably enough material to build a, another 30 minute piece of all the like weird things I sent Jacob yeah. that, that <laughs> yeah. didn't make it into the final cut. Yeah. Sort of a library of, of sounds. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Obviously, the piece is done. I mean, it's done. It's been released. It's it's on the album. Um, but how did you? How do you know? Or how did you know when a piece like this is done? Or when it was quote unquote right? How did you? How did you arrive? It, it did. Did you know it had to be a thirty minute piece? So when you got to thirty minutes of music, it was done. What? How did you know the piece was done? Uh, well, actually, the commission was for a ten-minute piece, so oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we messed up. We messed up on that front. Yeah. Um, but we uh, overdelivered. Over yeah, we really did. <laughs> we got we really a full did. album. Uh, I think that we, you know, we had these ideas for these different sections as we fooled around with things, and then it was about creating the the crossfeeds between the different sections. Um, and I guess I still, you know, sometimes I listen to it and I still feel like it could be longer, you know, even though it's sure. half an hour long. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. See, it seems sort of natural. I guess in times I've struggled with that. I mean, one thing that I have noticed over the years too for me is that I, a lot of my composition is 
needing to deserve, um, wanting things to go on longer and needing to make them interesting enough to go on longer. Sure. Um, when I, I studied with David Lang in grad school and one of the mm-hmm. most important mm-hmm. pieces of advice I ever got, it wasn't actually yeah. a direct advice. He was talking about his, his own piece, um, mm-hmm. his percussion quartet, so-called laws of nature. And at a performance, the, the ensemble had only performed like the last two movements or something. And he was mm-hmm. like, that doesn't work because the proportions are all off and you don't earn it. Like you need to be through something to earn the, the end sure. of that music. And I feel yeah. like a lot of my music is like, needing to go on long enough to earn the things that arrive. So I need to find out how to make it interesting enough to earn that. Steven, with all this sort of back and forth, when did you know the piece was done? There, there came a time where we kind of like closed the loop where everything that was going to be performed had been performed and okay. we kind of had all the ingredients. And during the time when we were really closing that up, we were, we were really, communicating a lot at that time. And I think we, you know, both of us had things we wanted to accentuate, you know, little flourishes, details. Um, and one of the great, it was so great to work with Jacobs is we really kind of get into those weeds and we both really care about those little things. And so, you know, it was a, in some ways it was a negotiation, a joyful one, but there was a lot of like a lot of jockeying back and forth for like certain moments and things like that. And, you know, we were, you know, even after the process, which was a lengthy process of performance, but even after that, there was a long kind of afterlife of kind of getting it where we wanted, you know, where we wanted the gain to be, what we, you know, let's bring this out a little bit. Let's let this moment speak. Let's earn that moment. All that stuff was going on. And then eventually, you know, when we either got the thing that we wanted or we accepted that that moment, you know, that somebody, that one of us had a different vision for one of those moments. And you do at some point go, well, that's, that's part of the process is walking away as well. And I think, I think we both walked away deeply gratified um, once, once the thing was fully cooked. Well, let's talk a little bit about specifically, I mean, we've been talking about it this whole time, but let's talk specifically about Sunrise. Over half of it is from Steven's voice, even the stuff that doesn't necessarily sound like a voice. Um, and then there are a few samples of recordings that we kind of like them just passing in a whisper uh, of The World is Waiting for the Sunrise, this tune that has been covered over, you know, it was written, I guess we haven't said this yet, it was written a hundred years ago and during the first pandemic and has been covered by tons and tons of musicians throughout the century. Um, so there's some like, you know, little wisps of those moments in there. And then there are places where I added uh, software instruments. I guess it's all software. Yeah, software instruments to, you know, I, I was like, oh, it'd be good to have a bass kind of sound in here. And then we did hire three performers, uh, a pianist, Dynasty Battles, a violinist, Claire, Clim- Claire Kim, and a flutist, Timothy Monroe, um, just to get some extra sounds in there as well. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, the low end and sort of there's this kick that happens at the start. I'm calling it maybe it's an 808 kick. It's just a low end thing that's happening. Um, And I noticed, you know, traditionally how a kick would work or a a low sound like that would be to sort of establish some type of, you know, uh, repetition or establish where the beat, where the beginning of the measure is. Um, I noticed at the start it was really just sort of accenting the text. That came out of Steven doing these different sounds where he's just alternating microtonally between two different pitches. Um, but then we also layer the actual melody, like in the background at some points, you can hear the actual melody that goes with those words. Um, 
and then I like I've been very into side chains lately. You, the, the dorkier yeah. listeners among you, your yeah. audience will <laughs> understand what a side chain is. But <laughs> Their ears just perked up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, I was excited. excited. Too. <laughs> so um, I thought it was kind of I thought it was a cool technique to have that kick come in and just obliterate all the other sound. You know that device that you're talking about. It kind of did create us a, a different. Um, relationship to what the pulse was in the piece like i feel like it functions a little differently than the than the average rhythmic device mm. in that it's kind of divorced from the pulse but it's creating some kind of forward momentum Maybe can you talk a little bit about either Jacob or Stephen about that sort of 10 minute section, that sort of middle section where we hear sort of just bits of the text being repeated and sort of um, layered. This section kind of came first because, you know, like I sent along singing, um, you know, a file of myself singing along with some other little arrangements and other kind of little elements. And it was kind of just this little mini arrangement of like the refrain that I sent right. to Jacob and he kind of, you know, he kind of pulled it apart and, and kind of built this counterpoint out of, out of the refrain. Um, yeah, but that was kind of, that was the thing that we worked on for the initial kind of burst of the creative process. We, we worked on that piece and then kind of, kind of reframed it as we went along. And, and so it arrives where it arrives. Was that that like exciting idea where you both were like, oh, this is, we, we need to build a piece around this. I think that so. That I feel like it's like when yeah. we tapped a nerve there and we were like, yeah. oh, okay, we found a little <laughs> channel to swim down. And I remember, yeah. So I remember him sending me these beautiful triads because Steven's ability to blend his voice with his choral background is amazing. And I was like, we got to do something with this. So um, yeah. then we went to the text. We decided all the text, by the way, is from the original text. It's just, as you mentioned, spliced right. up and everything. Um, so I remember being like, we got to keep those triads in. And then everything was uh, sort of built around that. Like that's the basis. And then all these other clips come in on top of that. I am so dependent on a collaboration 
for creating music. I mean, this is, you know, mm-hmm. obviously a very good example of that, um, all the back and forth we had, but, uh, uh, you know, as a composer, it's an incredibly isolated existence and, um, it can be. you get stuck in your own head about how something sounds and whether or not it's good. And, uh, also I just get stuck with, you know, creatively, like, what can I do here? Um, so I collaborate a lot with musicians and, uh, one thing we haven't really articulated yet is that this, it's a lot of my music lately has been leading towards this world of more workshopping, uh, and before the final recording, rather than like, you know, the traditional idea of you write a string quartet right. and you hand it to them. Um, right. maybe there's like a little bit of workshopping involved, but increasingly I've been moving towards having people record stuff and then messing with it. So that was really great to do with this project to the nth degree. Um, but then also poets, I work a lot with poets for text. Uh, and that's something that I felt very fortunate to, to do, you know, the traditional idea again, as a composer of working with a pre-existing text and not being able to change it. Uh, <laughs> it's great to work with someone because live, because you can sort of craft it the way you want it to, but also just like the connection and the inspiration that you get, that you get from each other. Um, and then I love working with visual artists as well. It's been, I haven't done as much of that lately, but video or, you know, directors and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I think it can be, it can be extremely isolating. It can be very transactional and, you know, maybe Steven, you can kind of follow up on this as well. You know, how gratifying is the, I've written this perfect piece. Here's the notes, sing it. Like, mm-hmm. is that, is that still a gratifying thing for, for, for you, uh, Steven, in this sort of performance and creative process? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it certainly can be. It's one, it's just one, um, you know, it's one gear that you can shift into where you're chasing down a, a more kind of precise blueprint. Um, but, you know, something like this collaboration is great because, you know, I was telling uh, Jacob this uh, last night at the bar that um, so what a, a great joy of this project was that his instincts surprised me a lot of the times. And so when we're kind of chasing down making this piece together, you know, I would send him things and what he built out of it would surprise me. And then that would kind of, you know, uh, and I think we kind of goaded each other back and forth with our separate sets of instincts. And, you, and then you get to something you couldn't have gotten to on your own. You, right. you couldn't possibly have gotten to it that way. And, um, and again, I touched on this earlier, but, you know, I, I enjoyed kind of both sides of that, of, of having, having that sort of devotion where I'm building something that's like, <laughs> this is me you know, happy accidents right. aside and like the kind of absence of true free will when you're right. creating something, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, aside from that, it's like, it came from me and yeah. there's, you know, that's a great thing to kind of have. And, but it's also really great to work with people whose in- instincts surprise you and delight you. And as you build something that you couldn't have otherwise envisioned. Well, um, Gentlemen, this has been uh, fantastic talking about um, not only Sunrise, but also just your process. Before I let you go, though, where can we go to find out more about, first of all, Sunrise, um, but where can we go to find out more about each of you independently as well? Uh, for for Sunrise, uh, the album is available on all streaming platforms, and you can check it out on Bandcamp and order CDs from Cold Blue Music if you're interested in that. Uh, and I have a website, jacobcoopermusic.com. Yeah, for me, stephenbradshawart.com. Um, if you go there, you, you can have lots of performances and discography up there, and then also uh, a large library of my images and uh, my artwork. 
Thanks to Stephen and Jacob for sharing their time and music with us, as well as their brand new release, Sunrise, on Cold Blue Music. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out other episodes in the series. And as always, like, subscribe, and leave a comment on your preferred podcasting app. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and this has been The Process. <laughs> <laughs>